Simo, the movie dude. John for breakfast, Desmond says 747 Triple M. The temperatures where you are, it's going to be very warm and hot this weekend. That's across the state. So if you are listening in, what I recommend you do is go to a movie cinema because they have aircon. And there will be new releases there. And Simo's probably watched them. He joins me now. Simo, how are you? Hey, Sean, you're right. We've got more new releases. We're getting hot, hot, hot. So you want to stay cool, cool, cool. And go to the movies. That's absolutely right. And there's nothing cooler, I promise you this, it's what all the kids are doing, there's nothing cooler than going to the flicks. Yeah, exactly. And even when you call it the flicks, because everyone under 40 is like, cool, Sean. Yeah, I don't. I think that's what my mum calls it. Oh, you off to the flicks? What? What? What are you, no, mum? I'm going to Greater Union, and I'm going to go to Time Zone, and I'm going to waste all my money and eat a lot of popcorn. But most of all, I'm going to see a movie which Simon probably would have watched. But what are we covering this week? We are covering Knives Out. Knives Out. Yes. Oh. Judging by the way that you've reacted, I'm sure you're all over this. You've already seen it twice. You've read the Wikipedia, and I don't have to say anything. Uh, I I reckon I've seen it advertised, and I reckon once you start explaining it to me, I'll know what it is. But apart from that, I am I don't know a I don't know a thing about this knives out caper. Okay, well you should have said you don't have a clue, Sean, because this is a murder mystery movie Whoa. in the style of Agatha Christie, all that sort of kind of someone's died, someone big rich has died, who's done it? So we got to figure out. There's a detective who's come to the house. Let's find out. And it's directed by Ryan Johnson, who probably no one really knows. They're going, oh, who's that? He's the guy who uh, he made Looper, that time travel movie with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis. He also made The Last Jedi, so oh. Star Wars Episode Eight, and he's gotten a lot of hate. Everyone said, "Oh, Last Jedi, you've ruined Star Wars." So he's bounced back. He said, "No more Star Wars right now," and he's made a big who done it. Yeah, and let me guess: did the was the murder mystery? Does it involve um, knives? I mean, there are knives involved, sure. You're onto something. No I'll spoilies? Out. Since it is a murder mystery thing, never want to give too much away. Mm. But here's how we kick off. Uh, it's a big, rich, white guy. He's got a big mansion. He's got a big family. And he's apparently been murdered. Mm. Uh, his name is Harlem Thromby. And he is famous for writing murder mysteries. Wow. And his whole family sort of... Um, has gathered around, they're being interviewed by the police, that sort of thing, because there was a big party the night of his death. And each of the family members, well, it seems like they've got motives to come out against their old dad or their grandfather. So someone has hired a legendary private investigator, a detective, and it's Daniel Craig. Oh. And he plays Detective uh, Blanc. And the funniest thing about this is he does a southern accent through the whole thing. So think of, uh, you know... Kentucky, Colonel Sanders, and Daniel Craig doing that kind of voice. Yeah, that sounds a bit, that sounds so weird. I mean, he's so James Bond in my head that I don't even know if I'd be able to accept that. Yeah, and um, I've read a lot about it where people have just said, here's the worst thing about this movie. He cannot do the accent. It's ruined the movie for me. And I've got to tell you, Sean, I felt it was fine. Okay. He sounds good. He acts good. Daniel Craig, no complaints about it. Oh, thank uh, goodness. The cast is also pretty stacked because it's a big ensemble piece. You've got Chris Evans, Captain America, 
got Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Michael Shannon, Tony Collette. Back in, that's from uh, Australia. You've also yeah. got Catherine Langford, uh, Perth Girl, who's from 13 Reasons Why, main actress. And another main character is uh, Anna de Armas. Uh, she's sort of an up-and-comer. She was in the new Blade Runner. She was in um, Knock Knock, a few weird movies. Uh, she plays the maid. Or what? Actually, no, Sean. She doesn't play the maid at all. She doesn't. That's wrong. She plays um, Harlem's nurse. So oh. the big granddaddy patriarch. She's his nurse. She's sort of his friend while he's older, that sort of thing. She's the only non-family member. So, you know, so there's all, the entire film uh, is based around sort of murder mystery tropes. So the detectives are sort of investigating. Someone's also playing up against them and trying to figure out, oh, how was he killed? Who killed him? And things start unraveling and there's twists and turns and blah, blah, blah. And Sean, as much as this sounds generic murder mystery, oh, where you're like oh, constantly guessing, about 20 minutes in, something's revealed, but it does sort of turn the murder mystery effect on its head. So it's it's got a really good sort of difference to it. It's not generic, like, oh, the detective's brilliant and he's figuring things out step by step. It's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background, and uh, it's quite a fun movie to watch. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like this movie is just Cluedo, but turned into movie form. You know, you're trying to figure out what room, what weapon, who was it? And you've got all this cast to support that, but I'm... I'm looking forward to this twist. Twenty minute, twenty minutes in, uh, in oh, on the whole, how many how many Kentucky accents do you give it? Oh, this is a good three and a half Kentucky accents. Okay, I like it. Um, I can see people might not like it for one or two things. Uh, whether or not you were satisfied with how it concluded is, of course, a major point. If you feel like, oh, that was an unsatisfying ending, you're not going to oh. be keen on it. I thought it sort of ended nicely. I liked it. Uh, three and a half. What is there? Is surely there's a twist at the end? Is it the obvious twist, or do they really take it out of left field? Well, this is okay. So there, it was a little obvious towards the end, but oh. everything leading up to it, very twisted, very twisted. So I can't, you know, how people are like, don't tell me there's a twist. It's going to ruin the movie. There's not one twist in this movie. It's twisty, twisty, twisty. It's a packet of twisties, Sean. Oh, you're yum. A packet of twisties. You're just shoveling them in, and hopefully after two hours, you're full. Forget the popcorn. He's on Twisties, folks. I love it. That is called Knives Out. I'm sure there's a lot of backstabbing, uh, literally and figuratively as well. Uh, I'm going to cover one that we've already covered, but with a kind of with a twist. <laughs> have you se- have you seen the the latest season of Rick and Morty? I have, Sean. I've been keeping up. That's weird because it's only released on Australian Netflix as of the 22nd of December. So how is that possible? Sure, I've got uh, contacts. I'm a media man, and uh, you know the media sometimes helps each other out by providing <laughs> websites. And Do you know what's and <laughs> Do you know what's really funny about that? I've also seen the season through the same means as you, media people helping media people. See, if, if you know, if you're in the know, you're in the know. Absolutely. So we, we just want to do a preview. Oh, that's the thing. So, I, so I, I'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, there's only been four, maybe five episodes released so far in America and the UK, and it won't be released in Australia until the 22nd of December, but they'll drop them all at once. Um, are you for them or against them at this stage? I think they're nothing extraordinary, but also not terrible. It seems very... It's season four. We're sort of used to what Rick and Morty is doing. 
and it seems like they haven't done anything totally different. It, you know, they're doing adventures, and it's all very one-offy, not really feeling any overarching plot, plot with it, things like that. Um, I like it, Sean, but I'm not going over the top. How have you been? It's almost lost a little bit of fizz. I still really like it because I'm a bit of a diehard, but I do agree. I think in season three it was very hit and miss, and this one... Uh, the the hits aren't as impressive, but the misses aren't impressive as well. As you say, it's a bit more just easy going. I, I, I don't know if we have spoken about this on the podcast. I know I have privately with you. Flanderization. Are you aware of flanderization and have we discussed it? Yes, Sean, you're right. We have discussed it and we've got to tell, well, personally we have because we're boring, but I don't think everyone else has heard us talk about it. Yeah, no, so we may as well let people know. Um, Flanderisation is this uh, unofficial term of television and I guess maybe movies, depending on how long the movies go for, if it's a whole series. But basically it refers to Ned Flanders and there's a certain point in the Simpsons series that Ned Flanders goes from being a fairly normal guy with a religious uh, bias, I suppose, into this, this character which is driven by that one characteristic being the fact that he's he's just completely and utterly religious. It's almost as though the points that make him him start to dominate the character. And, it's a, and you can flanderize anyone. I think uh, you get to the point where Homer Simpson is actually flanderized because he goes from being a believable and almost lovable character, being the dad of this family, to this bumbling oaf. Like he's always been a little bit slow, but then he turns into being downright stupid and there's characters across the board where if a television series goes for so long the characters start becoming extremes on themselves like the writers be like well he's known for this so we need to do this and they really exaggerate on that point and this is where I want to bring the example to Rick because as much as we love Rick and he's the smartest guy in the universe there was sort of a vulnerability about him there was sort of a weakness about him which was sometimes uh, observed by the viewers in the first few seasons, the first couple of seasons in particular, and he he did have weaknesses and he could be killed. But now it's getting to the point in this season where it's almost, and this is going to sound funny because he's a he's the smartest guy in the universe, and you're dealing with parallel universes and interdimensional travel. But he seems less believable. He seems too invincible, Simo. I think. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Sean. Especially too invincible. It's something where it's like it, it you can't put him in danger anymore. Yeah. And it takes away a lot of any sort of dramatic sort of tension because oh no, Rick's exploded or Rick's been shot in the head, blah, blah, blah. it doesn't matter anymore. It just he'll come back. One of so the, I don't really get what they're trying to go with all that. One of the adventures that they go on, uh they they raid this to- this tomb. And at one stage, he's walking through and he says, activate uh, coat. He wears this white lab coat wherever he goes. And it basically forces this, this shield and, and he can't be touched by any of the booby traps. And you just, and you just wonder, what's the point? He's got, these, he's got like morphine attached to his body so he can release morphine and alleviate pain whenever he wants at the sound, a bit like Alexa. I'll say, Alexa, what's the time? And it tells me he can say, spine, re- release morphine. So what, what's the He's turned himself from a... No spoilers, because this is an entire episode in season three. He's turned himself into a pickle and back into a man. So it's just difficult to... Like, what... How... It's just it's just fun and giggles now, but there's no... I don't know. It just loses its... It loses its edge, I think. You're right, Sean. It's lost a lot of sort of, you know, purpose and dramatic tension. And it's getting to the point where... You know, you're watching it because it's kind of funny, but I don't think 
people are getting anything else out of it, despite the fact that Rick and Morty used to, a lot of people were like, oh, it's so deep, and look at mm. what they do. They explore so much with 20 minutes of a cartoon show. But, yeah, sure, um, I think it's, uh, you know, a victim of its own success. Yeah, look, I I mean, um, they missed last week's drop because of Thanksgiving, and I wasn't rushing to go watch it. It didn't bother me as much as it has some other TV shows, other series of the same television show. Uh, I'm not going to give it a rating because it's not finished, and that would be unfair, but go watch it. I, you, you almost have to if you're a Rick and Morty fan. If you're not, you haven't seen any of them, I recommend watching season one and two. And maybe season three, season four, whew, give it your best shot. Mate, should we leave it there? That sounds good, sure. Oh, why not? You have a good weekend. Stay out of that that heat. <laughs> Always do. <laughs> you pasty man. <laughs> <laughs> you pasty. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate.